Hello, everyone. My name is Connie Lewin, and I am the Director of Individual Philanthropy here at LISC. I want to thank everyone for joining us for a new episode of LISC Monthly Podcast with LISC President and CEO, Maurice Jones. Good morning, Maurice. How are you today? Great, Connie. Good morning to you. Nice to, nice to be with you. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, so I'm really excited about our conversation because it's uh, focused on a new launch uh, that LISC is doing called Project 10X. Um, this is LISC's most ambitious and boldest initiative to date. And we had the exciting opportunity to launch it uh, last week uh, at a webinar with former President uh, Bill Clinton. But before we uh, jump into that, I would love for you, Maurice, to just level set the conversation. Um, around Project 10X. Um, so we know this is a bold plan to tackle racial inequality, but why don't you share more about the vision of Project 10X? Yeah, um, so the, just sort of stepping back, um, what motivates the project uh, is the following. If you look around, um, the country right now and you assess uh, what I would call uh, the biggest opportunities for strengthening the American uh, project, um, you would have to list as one of those closing these gaps that we have um, with respect to wealth, with respect to health and uh, longevity and with respect to opportunity. And these gaps really appear most glaringly uh, when you look across race and place, just to put it simply, race and place. And so, what Project 10X is about is trying to identify the most important levers that we can um, invest in in order to get at these gaps, in order to advance these opportunities. So we have uh, broken 10x down into the four levers and, and that we think are the most important. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you about it. But the big picture is closing the racial wealth, health, and opportunity gaps around the country in order to strengthen the American democratic experiment, in order to strengthen America's place in a competitive global economy in order to make this a more perfect union. That's really the big picture aspiration of Project 10X. It's, uh, some would say, dreamy. Uh, some would say um, uh, unattainable, uh, and, and some would say, uh, good luck with that. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I say to all of those people, 
watch us because we're going to fight this fight. Uh, it is worthy of us uh, being ambitious and bold and uh, aspirational. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to the journey. So that's really big picture what Project 10X is about. Us trying to be bold and ambitious and uh, attack both the opportunities and the risk that the great American experiment confronts. No, that sounds um, exciting indeed. And I think very necessary in this moment as we've experienced 2020 uh, through the dual pandemics of both COVID and just the racial reckoning that's coming across the country. Certainly hope and vision is needed at this moment. Um, and we know that a lot of corporations have made similar commitments uh, wishing to address racial inequality. Um, and it's easy to sometimes be confused on what's the difference. Um, what's the difference between um, this moment and other moments in history where people have realized that there's a challenge when it comes to racial inequality and we need to address it. So can you elaborate more about the four levers of Project 10X and how is that different? Um, and how is LISP best equipped to address um, uh, work with these different four levers that we've identified? Yep. So we've identified four levers that we believe if you invest in them and invest in them at scale and work um, within them faithfully for a minimum of 10 years that you can really make progress on the big reasons that we have these gaps on the big opportunities that these gaps present. So for us, they are the following four. Uh, first, making investments in a significant way in those assets or those opportunities that produce intergenerational wealth. And we narrowed it down to what we think are the two most powerful, home ownership and small business ownership. So 10 years from now, we want to see this gap between um, white home ownership rates and black home ownership rates disappear. And right now, that gap is about 30 points difference. I think the um, white home ownership rate in the country now is somewhere around 70%. The black home ownership rate is somewhere around 40 to 41%. The black home ownership rate is the lowest it's been in 50 years, 50 years. Uh, and if you look at the small business ownership uh, participations, that gap is just as egregious. Well, these are two of the most important uh, ways of generating not just wealth, but intergenerational wealth. So that's one lane of work that we want to go to work in tremendously. A second is connected, which is there's a huge uh, wage gap. Uh, that breaks down by race and place in our country. And so what we want to do is uh, use the leverage of our capital 
of our technical assistance, of our ability to bring partners to the table, to invest in companies that are providing living wage jobs at a minimum, living wage careers at a minimum for BIPOC individuals. A third area is this, and this one's often overlooked, but one of the big reasons why we have these racial wealth, health and opportunity gaps um, relates to the differences that people are experiencing when it comes to credit, when it comes to savings, when it comes to insurance, and when it comes to who's bankable and who's not. Uh, a, a statistic that blew me away uh, that I saw recently, I, I think if you look at um, the, um, the, what they call the, those who are banked and underbanked within mm. the African-American community, over 50% of the African-American community in the country is either unbanked or underbanked. Uh, so they either have no um, relationship with the mainstream financial institution or they are using products that are oftentimes coming from predatory lenders. So they don't have access to sufficient amounts of tools coming from our mainstream financial system. I think the comparable data point for white families in the country uh, is 20% or less. That's a, that's a huge determinant of wealth and health and opportunity. And so if you look at what we're gonna to try to do, we are going to do more investing in strategies like our financial opportunity centers, which work on uh, credit repair, credit building, savings. Uh, we're going to do uh, more investments uh, in, and this one is what uh, is relatively new, in strengthening the ability of minority depository institutions to serve BIPOC communities. So we have the Black Economic Development Fund, for example. So strengthening uh, BIPOC individuals' access to credit and savings and insurance and strengthening those financial enterprises who prioritize these communities as their main market, their primary market. So that's the third piece. And the fourth piece is the relationship between the community context and wealth and health and opportunity. In our eyes, the most important assets that engender health and wealth and opportunity are local or community. And so we're going to focus on um, health assets, so access to clinics, uh, access to fresh foods, uh, access to um, recreation opportunities. We're going to focus on broadband and digital literacy. Broadband is the opportunity what oxygen is to breathe. I mean, it's just that simple. We're going to focus on education from zero to um, adult-based uh, education. We're going to focus on um, um, arts, 
the role that arts enterprises play when it comes to uh, culture and arts and storytelling and economic development. Uh, those are the community that I let see broadband, health, oh. arts. Oh, I left out one. Justice. Safety and justice. That's the fifth one. So those are our four lanes. Within those four lanes, we want to go big. Right? That's the other piece Absolutely. of this. There's, there's no small ball in this. So within those four lanes, we want to go big. So we're calling this 10X for a reason. We want to uh, invest in multiples of 10. So we're asking, uh, we're trying to raise a billion dollars with which to do this. Uh, we have seed funded this with 10 million of grant uh, from us and 10 million of debt for, from us. So we're asking other funders to step up and think about funding this sort of enterprise in that way. We also are saying we have to be at this work for at least 10 years, at least 10 years. And then lastly, we, this requires 10X thinking, innovation, boldness, no small ball. That's what this is about at the end of the day. So one thing, thank you Maurice for just outlining both the, the goals and the plans ahead for Project 10X. But reverberates within me. It's just how bold we are in even trying to address um, all these four lanes of work. Uh, but we have a 40-year track record in doing so. So I think we're well positioned this moment to take the lead in this. Uh, with that, given this bold, ambitious effort um, and the amount of capital, as you stated, $1 billion to address this over 10 years, how is List planning to measure its progress um, in this work? How will we know that we're being effective? Yeah. Closing yeah, racial cool. gaps. It's a great, great question. So, so we're, we're trying to close the racial health, wealth, and opportunity gap, right? So right. if you look at the health piece, the North Star for us is over a 10-year period, close the life expectancy gaps between whites and people of color in the communities where we're working, right? Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. North Star. Now there are other metrics within that, but that's the North Star. Um, we're trying to close the wealth gap, close the home ownership gap between whites and people of color, right? Um, look at the wage gaps that we're looking at and our opportunity to get people into living wage jobs and careers. Those are the kinds of metrics that the, the big picture metrics that we're going to be using. Uh, another will be uh, this bankability, that, right? This uh, who's banked and who's unbanked or underbanked, right? And trying to um, make progress in closing the gap when it comes to uh, who's banked or underbanked, uh, broken down by race. Those are the kinds of big picture metrics over 10 years that we're going to use to uh, measure our progress here. That's awesome. So with those metrics and those progress to date, um, I'm just curious, what is the role of the community? in joining in Project 10X. We know we need to get to work. So 
what can the community do um, to play a part? Yeah, so the community is the essential partner in all of this. Um, so we will be relying on the community to um, provide the kinds of intelligence about the ways that we should utilize uh, this money. Uh, we will be partnering with the community uh, in actually, you know, I gave you North Star metrics, but there are interim metrics and we'll be relying on the community for um, helping us to develop and refine and measure and track those. Um, we have to partner with the community on the pipeline of projects that it makes sense to invest in. When it comes to safety and justice, for example, uh, it's really trying to uh, collaborate with the community and with law enforcement to actually uh, redefine what safety looks like. There's a whole lot of focus on policing and and um, and the um, you, you know the appropriateness of policing uh, versus something else. What we want to do is to work with the community in a much broader way on safety, which certainly includes policing, but that's not the only component of safety. So the community is our most important partner. No question about it. They will be involved in every aspect of what we do here in an advisory way, in a partnership way to get work done, in an oversight way. Um, yeah, that's the most valuable asset for us, without a doubt. So we know now Project 10X, it's launched, it's out there. It's launched. So we're excited about that. We're ready to get to work. Um, but any last closing thoughts that you want to share um, with everyone listening in about Project Tenex and the work ahead? Yeah, you know, here's what I would say. We're in a season of Thanksgiving. Um, and we're in a season of Thanksgiving um, in what has been a tough, tough year um, for all of us, tougher for some uh, than for others. Um, but I am thankful that we still have an opportunity to work on real challenges and opportunities that this season has highlighted. Um, and particularly when it comes to strengthening and advancing the uh, journey that this country set out on um, at the outset to become a more perfect union and for there to be no second class citizens, uh, no uh, thresholds that anybody has to meet in order for us to accord them full humanity. I'm thankful that we still have a chance uh, to work on getting that right. And I want us 
to lean into this as the saying goes, um, to lean into it with humility, um, but with gratitude for the opportunity and with full commitment and dedication to exhausting ourselves to get it done. Um, and so that's why we wanna do this for at least 10 years. This is not something that's gonna be solved this year. Um, so I'm grateful um, for the chance to be working at an organization that has the capacity to really, really partner in significant ways with folks on this. And I'm excited about the, uh, the launch. And um, I invite existing and new partners to join the fun. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I wish uh, a happy Thanksgiving and a, a happy, um, uh, season of gratitude to everybody. And I also, uh, want to recognize and send thoughts and prayers to all, uh, who have definitely, um, had a tough season here, um, um, over the course of the last nine plus months, um, so this is something that um, now is the time for us to do this. Well, I wanna thank you, Maurice, for joining us today and sharing more. This is an exciting vision ahead and I'm ready to get to work. All and, right. <laughs> and I wanna thank everyone for joining us this month on our podcast. Have a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right, happy Thanksgiving. Take care.